Hi, welcome to Rushcast. My name is Jay Mantis. Uh, I hope you're doing well. It's been a while, about a couple months since we had an episode on Rushcast. If you're listening for the first time, maybe you saw it, uh, saw one of us at the Madison Square Garden show. Thank you for listening. I think if you're a big enough fan, you're going to really enjoy this show. Today I'm with uh, another in-studio guest, which is always a luxury for us. Chad Wickos here. He's been on episodes in the past, but only via phone. How's it going, Chad? It's going good, Jared. It's uh, it's good to see you in person doing this. So let's talk about the um, the tour now that we've both seen it. You saw two shows. Right. I saw uh, the Boston show on Tuesday and then MSG last night. And you did get two set lists. I did. I I was lucky. I I didn't think that I was actually going to do that once I found out they were doing a three-set rotation. Okay. So uh, if you don't know, I think the the rotation of the set lists got a little whacked out once they got to Toronto when they started playing Losing It. Now, this is the day after... We're recording this the day after the New York show, which I think they're on a break right now. Yeah, they go, uh, I think, another week or so, and... They're going out in Kansas City or somewhere right. out west. Yeah. Um, we don't know if they're going to play Losing It for the rest of the tour. My gut says they're only going to play it for those three shows. We may have seen the last time they'll ever play Losing It. Um, because they've done... They had Ben Mink in Toronto, where he lives. They had John Dinklage in New York, where he lives, and New Jersey. And who's to say if he's going to tour with them? But in Boston, between those shows, they, they did not play it, correct? Yeah, they did not play Losing It at the show I was at in Boston. Uh, interestingly enough, when I was going to bed last night, I was looking through some of the feeds that were coming through, and they actually said, maybe it was Getty or somebody, I can't remember who, that they were going to have Dinklage for the show at the Garden only, originally, and that they threw the, the Newark show uh, in his last minute, almost. As a bonus. So I have a feeling, more than likely, it, it won't continue on with you know the rest of the tour. So what did you think of the show in general? The specific show, MSG, or the just the, the tour? Um, and how did maybe how did the two shows differ? Well, if anybody's following it, they know that there's you know amongst the the sets they're rotating, I think three three or four songs out um, over three or four basic set list variations. I think the show is great. I really do. It's not what I expected, though, going in. And when we did the set list challenge, you know, you could look at my set list and I looked at yours. I think you and I had slightly different ideas of what it was going to be. Um, I I feel, though, that I had the retrospective chronological thing. Yeah, where- no, you, Chad was the only one out of all the entries. And by the way, if you sent me a list, um, once we get right now, we're in our New York Knickerbocker studio. And once we get back up, Upstate, I will uh, count them all up. See who who did the best. Chad was the only bud, only body. You were the only body. <laughs> the only body. Chad was the only body to um, to suggest that there would be like um, some kind of chronological thing to the list. There were some people who thought it would be you know, like one from every other album. I don't know. I've, I've got to look at all the lists. Maybe there were some others that did this, but. You essentially had it backwards. You right. thought they would go from the beginning all the way up to the new stuff. Right. And then I, so I figured they would start at the very beginning of their career in a sense with Working yeah. Man, open with that. Cause usually they have a, a radio hit to open with. And now that was the biggest shock of the whole show for me was when they came out and they started playing the anarchist. I knew immediately what it was. And I turned and looked at you like, are you serious? Yeah. And that was, that was the reaction that I had in, in Boston when I seen them last week. 
was, you know, the curtain, you know, the big screen came up and the anarchists started playing and it was just like, okay, the anarchists, well, that's a great song to open with, but not what I expected at all. I don't think anyone, I mean, no one had that on their list. Yeah. (laughs) Starting out with anarchists. And then for me, you know, the set list that I had, they played three Clockwork Angel songs in a row and it went from the anarchists to the wreckers and I was like, okay, so they're they're kind of hitting the the last tour a little bit. Okay, maybe they're just trying to, you know, start with where they're at. And of course, when they went into headlong and then into the two snakes materials, it, it made sense what they were doing. But the records, though, I honestly like I like the song enough, but it was a little bit of a a downer to go from the anarchist. You yeah, know, it's kind of early in the show for the records. Yeah. And even, like, I love the song. I thought it had a new life live during the um, the last tour. For sure. Its own tour. Um, but I think we both agreed, we talked about this, that during Clockwork Live, it sort of killed the mood a little bit at times. I mean, that's a that's a pretty dark song. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to throw that in second must have been weird. Yeah, if, I, I think if they did... You know the anarchist headlong, and then the wreckers. I think they could have. Might have. I, I think it would have flowed a little bit better. But on Tuesday, when I was in Boston, you know, my girlfriend was with me for the first time, her first Rush show ever, and you know, she absolutely loved seeing the wreckers. So mm-hmm. I think everybody's got, as we've discussed, and we'll probably discuss here. Everybody has a different perspective about what they would probably like out of the set and what they didn't. Right. And now I think, as I sit back and look at it. This was a show for the intermediate fan. This is a show for the person that still, you know, is not sick of the radio hits, really enjoys those and wants to hear them, but still kind of like the next tier down from radio hits in terms of popularity wants to hear those. Right. Which you and I might have heard a bunch of times, um, but whether it be in person or on live DVDs, you know, just an early warning and songs like that. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm kind of like, ah, you know. Well, that's I the thing. For me, going through the the set list and, and you know, I made sure I didn't look through the set list beforehand because I want to experience it as fresh as I could, even though a few songs were spoiled before the show. And for me, it was that feeling of the expectation of what I thought it was going to be, what I hoped it was going to be. And then as they started going through the the songs, hitting these songs that for that casual fan might almost seem like a deep cut, like roll the bones. Because they might say, oh, you know, I've never seen this song live before. If that person doesn't own R30 and our Russian Rio, they probably think it's been decades. Right, exactly. And so for you and I, you know, being so fanatical in a sense, you know, you digest all those live DVDs, you know, even for the shows that we haven't seen before, you know, the concerts we've been to you see those and you digest them and it becomes part of what they do. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, so they're doing Roll the Bones again. Oh, okay, they're doing, you know, whatever. I mean, there for you and I, there were really no shockers. Losing it was amazing to hear live. And as it starts so slow and it's like a change of pace, like Getty said, by the end of the song, it's very much live worthy. Oh, it's, it's a really, really good song to play live. But Jacob's Ladder was great. Xanadu was great. For you and I, I think Cygnus was the both Cygnuses were the big, the big moment. Yeah, uh, Jacob's Ladder probably would have been had it not been spoiled for me. It was one okay. of the you know three or four songs that was spoiled for me before yep. the show, and I was like, oh, of all songs, I've been wanting to hear this for so long, and so that kind of deflated it when I heard it. But with the anticipation of knowing it was coming, I was able to kind of focus and enjoy it in a different way. Totally. Yeah. Um, it was still very, very much 
a great song to see live, but I think the Cygnus songs, even though I had them on my set for the prediction, um, to have the two of those was really, mm-hmm. that was, I mean, probably the highlight. Now, talking about spoilers, I had six songs that you know, I did my best to stay off the internet. In fact, I stayed off Twitter completely. But Facebook was tougher because you rely on Facebook for other things. You right. Know? Um, and YouTube was the worst. You know, you'd search anything on YouTube and it would say, Jared, or Jay, as they say, would you like to see, uh, you know, Rush in Tulsa playing you know, What You're Doing was one of the ones I heard, I saw. Um, Anthem, uh, Red Barchetta, Distant Early Warning, Jacob's Ladder, and Xanadu. I mean, those are just about all of them that right. I had spoiled for me. And I told you in the show, I said, uh, do you know how I would have known instantly that they were going to do Xanadu the second I saw him on stage? Right, and you'd mention that. You'd look down through the binoculars. I'm looking through binoculars, and Getty Lee's got picks, guitar picks on his mic stand. And the only time in history that Getty's used a guitar pick is when he plays that double neck. On Xanadu, right? On Xanadu. I mean, the other thing is I could just move the binoculars to the right and see that both of them have double neck guitars in their racks. Yeah. By the way, you said... We saw Getty play a reddish double neck, and you said, I could have swore it was black at my show. I'm pretty sure at the Boston show, it was the black one. In the tour book, you can see there's two of them right next to each other. One of them's jet black. Yeah. Actually, I think the name of the color is Jet Glow for uh, For Rex, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that, and we talked about his usage of the different bases. I think for him having, you know, the two double necks, it's almost just like what what car am i going to take out of the stable tonight you know it's right just, you, you know, he's got all these guitars and he just wants to and with those du- both of them having double necks and in, in the same song again i mean you just search rush under google images and look at all the pictures that come up of those two with double necks back right. in the day yeah so very, you know google's gonna have a field day with this yeah taking pictures of the two of them together for me it was it was a very iconic thing to see because i've never seen them live with the double necks and i think I don't think they've played the double necks for many, many years. And as a big fan, you just look over and you just see, you know, see them playing it. And then you think back to all the the promo shots from the 70s, you know, before I was even born. And it's like, you know, that's just like their heyday in a sense when they were just really getting into it. And now, what what for you was like, I was with you at the show. I think we both agreed that Roll the Bones, I mean, uh, aside from Subdivisions and Spirit and all all the hits... Roll the Bones got a surprisingly large um, positive reception. Yeah, for crowd reaction. I would say for crowd reaction at this show, Roll the Bones for sure. Distant Early Warning, there's a lot of people singing along and and cheering for that one. When I was in Boston, a lot of people had a very, very positive reaction to Jacob's Ladder. Mm -hmm. And I think people did hear as well, but it it wasn't quite as much. Right. Losing it, I think, had a really, really great reaction, and it showed that there's that fan base that's out there that's yeah understanding how important. Even, even though Getty mentioned this is only the third time we've ever played this, I think people have that understanding of like this is a song from was eighty two or eighty one or something like that. And now where we sat was way, way above Getty at Madison Square Garden. It's almost exactly where I sat in Montreal, and I remember thinking in Montreal, I knew what the set list was when I got there. So I could I could see the audience and I could see the reaction to song. I remember thinking how crazy the reaction was to Clockwork Angels, the song. Right. You know, and uh, 
people raise their hands yeah. or whatever the lyric is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and everybody's got their hands up. It was like like this religious experience um, as well as other songs. So it was actually, uh, it's actually a cool place to sit, I think. The sound is not good, but... Well, I found it actually at our show, the sound got better as the night went on. Like mm-hmm. we had talked that, okay, Alex's tone is good. Getty's vocals are good where we were, but the bass tone was lacking. But as I got into the second half of material, the bass tone... And maybe that's just reflective of the instruments he was using as well, but the bass tone was more present. It was more... Yeah. I thought the Rick and Mockers especially had an extra extra bite. I mean, we know they have extra bite, but you you could hear it. You could you could really sense it last yeah. night. And even some of the jazzes that he used, some of his new jazzes, had some really good yep. bite and growl to it. Historically, to... I've hated P basses, and when he pulled out some P basses, I thought, oh, what's he doing? Yeah. Um, however, the P bass he played on Roll the Bones, I thought, I, man, that's actually a very cool tone that he's got yeah. on it for a song like this. And some of the other stuff, I mean, the uh, the Thunderbirds, you know, there was one or two that I thought sounded pretty decent, but... It just looked fun. I mean, it just looked funny for him. Yeah. You know, and even the one when he played on One Little Victory, the, the white one, um, he he held it just kind of, it, it didn't look natural. Yeah. It was, it was almost like I. So, speaking of One Little Victory, uh, Chad tells me in the show, One Little Victory is a song I've heard a few times. I've heard it on several live DVDs. And they've, I, by the way, I called Rush's bluff when they said they weren't going to touch anything from that album. I said, ha, I'm not buying that. I didn't buy that either. And so he comes out and he says, this is a big song in our career. It's very important to us. And he's, they start playing One Little Victory. And I thought, man, I thought he was going to like play a, something from the vault here that we've never heard. Chad goes, I didn't hear this one. I heard How It Is, which is a song. So they're trading song, uh, two songs from the same album. One we've heard a bunch, one we've never heard, and that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not for you. Yeah, I, I felt like I got a little robbed on my set list, but it was still enjoyable. And um, you also saw Between the Wheels instead of just an early warning. Right. And what, what was the last one? Uh, the Camera Eye. The Camera Eye instead of Red Barchetta, right? Right. Very cool. Yeah, for, and for me, for those songs, actually when, so going to how it is, I mean, we've been you know, walk around New York today and just, it's been, it's been a kind of a sticking point for Jared here. You know, every, every little instance, he just has to bring up that. Chad steps in a puddle. I'm like, well, it's okay. You saw how it is. So we're yeah. even. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so when that song first came out, when I saw it in, in Boston, you know, Getty came out and he said to the crowd, you know, we do, you know, we have all these songs and, and sometimes there's songs that we really love when we record them, but we forget them to play, you know, when it comes to playing live, mm-hmm. we forget about them or whatever he said. And he said, this is how it is. And I was like, Oh my God, finally, like finally something from vapor trails that on, you know, that shows that I've seen other than one little victory. Uh-huh. And he was walking out and actually you and I were talking and I said, I'm trying to figure out what songs are the swapped songs. And I had a feeling it, that was going to be one of them. But when he came out with the, you know, the White Thunderbird, the same song that, you're the same instrument you played on How It Is. I was like, oh, I was like, I really hope they play this, you know, so Jared can see it. And then he mentioned his, his One Little Victory, and I was like, well, at least I got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Jared. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was a really, really cool song to see live. And, yeah. Uh, you know, very thankful for that. By the way, my name's Jay Mantis. Yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> or something. Our producer's laughing at us. Who knows what my name is? It's, it's, it's always up in the air. 
I mean, <laughs> yesterday we were, Chad and I had a thousand Rushcast business cards to hand out. Just, you know, for people to say, you know, here's our show. If you like the band a lot, come listen. We had a blast, I think. Um, it's hard in New York because everyone's trying to give you something or sell you a scalp right. ticket or ask you for money. So uh, naturally, people, a lot of them went, nope, not interested. Don't look at, you know, yeah. don't make eye contact. Yeah, they put their hands up and just say, you know, even before you get to them, they put their hands but up. Like we discovered you. if you go up to somebody and say, oh, hold your fire shirt. Very cool. Like, yeah, you know, you, that's an in. There, there's very rare. It's very rare to see a hold your fire shirt. That's really cool. And then you have a conversation. Test by the way, shirt, we have yeah. a podcast, you know. We're yeah. not trying to hurt anybody. We're just trying to spread the love. Yeah, I had one guy I told you about, and I came up to him, and I was like, oh, you know, free Rush podcast. And he's like, oh, I'm not interested. And I was like, but you're a Rush fan. He's like, I'm not interested. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, are you not a Rush fan? Like, why Why would you not be interested? This is the coolest thing ever. It was very, it, uh, it was very um, uh, psycho kind of, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but I, I found out if I, I could, like, tell the person that they were interested i can make them think they're interested i'd say hey free rush podcast guys give it a listen you're gonna love it if i tell you you're gonna love it they were like it was almost like i was controlling their brain for a second they would look at me and be like oh well the thing that i found actually made it more success successful is you know being in line with somebody you know for the merch table and they would see my shirt and someone say Oh, you know, that's really cool. Do you have a card? And I'd give it to them and talk about it. And then like three people around us would be like listening. They'd that like, was oh, very cool. Oh, what's that? Can I get few, one? A few groups that were very interested in, or even when you and I were standing there with our Rushcast shirts on, people come out to go, hey, can we have a card? Like, what is that? What is, what is that that you're, what's a Rushcast? And why the squirrel? Yeah, I got that a lot. And it why was the also difficult for, I would like, genuinely people some of them would be very interested and they'd shake my hand and say what's your name and i'd say i'm jared you know thanks for you know i hope you listen but i'm not jared on the show <laughs> so they're probably gonna listen and be like so i met this who is this yeah i met punk? this jared guy and yeah, where's jay <laughs> um so let's talk about the biggest part of the show and that's i think aside from the songs like i mean i'm sure there are fans who think the song selection was the best for you and I, I think we could both agree it was not the best well, for us. Right. It was it was a great show, and some of the songs were fantastic. But it gave me a nice opportunity to step back and enjoy what else was happening. Right. And that was the time travel. You yeah. know, this would have been a nice time machine. Would have been more. This they they should have done this on time machine. This would have been better to be called the time machine tour. But however, um. When I saw what they were doing when they first came out, and one washing machine got spun around, and one of the Hughes and Kettner cabs got placed, I said, oh, because I had seen pictures of what you're doing, and, you know, with old basses, and the old drum kit, and the old gear, I had seen so much gear, and it was all different. I'm like, is it different every show? So that was cool for me to know what it was going to look like, but not understand how it was going to happen, right. until I heard, like, the second Snake song, and I went, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um. It was now I've had a little bit of time, like about, you know, twelve hours or whatever to really soak it in. That was really cool. Yeah. In the moment it was cool and I knew what was happening, but now I'm like, oh, that was truly like kind of transcends what rock bands do. Oh, definitely. I don't think any rock band besides Rush would give that kind of thought to that process. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was actually a real, you know, nod and testament to the band, uh or from the band to the fans and and saying that, you know, we've been on this journey 
you know, you've been here. You've seen all this funny stuff we've had on stage. Right. You know, we're bringing it back for you. We're going the, backwards in the time. The video medleys were cool, too. I they were. Those. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was good stuff. I said to you at the end of the show, it'd be weird to think, I gotta, like, I gotta soak this in because it could be the last time I ever see these guys, ever. Yeah. You know? And he's, yeah. he's running off the stage right now, and I'm just, like, looking around. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. I need to, to take <laughs> all of this in. He gone forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that whenever there's somebody on stage in a rush show, they're either dressed as two things. Uh, Chickens? A red jumpsuit or a chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? The red jumpsuit thing was prevalent again. Right. It was, well, I mean, you know? it goes back to moving pictures, obviously. And, right. And, you know, they, they play up their imagery well. and They don't overdo it, I don't think. Yeah. I think it's tastefully done. So, overall, good show. I'm looking forward to... Um, Having some more time once we get back upstate and really researching, seeing what the other, you know, listening to those other songs I missed. And, um, yeah, I hope, uh, you know, once we both get back upstate, you know, there'll be a chance for us to kind of discuss this a little bit further, you know, when we have more time for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun. Um, so we're going to, uh, Chad and I are going to end this show in a second and we're going to start recording a, an episode for our other podcast called Knickerbocker on the Knickerbocker Network. And um, maybe we'll put a little bit of a teaser here at the end of this one if you uh, see if you're interested in listening. Um, if not, thank you for being here. And uh, I hope you listen to some more episodes because we have a lot of fun. If you if this is your first time, again, look back at some of our older episodes. We've had some pretty uh, prestigious Rush people on the show. We've been fortunate to have interviews with those people. So go check those out as well. Thanks for listening, Chad. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate right. it. We'll see you guys later. Brought to you no, by. Say Brought to you by Knickerbocker. This guy over here was at the uh, the World Trade Center the pools. Sacred pools. Yeah, and and what happened there, Jerry? I had a fresh, fresh, toasty sesame bagel in a bag that i was saving for later he's like jared i want to get a picture of you so i stood there and i was like let me just put my bagel like on the shelf right here that they have <laughs> shelf the <laughs> you mean you, you mean no, like those the monument are, those are bagel shelves oh yeah <laughs> in the monument they're like you know what'd be know, cool you know is if like really need we'll put the names here and the water will flow there and here you can put your bagels while you <laughs> while you're getting your photo <laughs> taken like mad new york city stereotypes well i have like the pizza shelf <laughs> I'm like, this the is red. just a whole layer of angry people <laughs> that are late for something. And uh, instead of putting your used gum on the ground, you could just put it on this shelf. Um, and it wasn't a shelf. It was just part of the pool. Yeah. And, and your bagel started to float. It did. So I took the picture. I turned around. My bagel's just like it's about gone. to go over them. <laughs> did you get it? I dove in there. No. Um, it wasn't moving. I mean, if I had waited a few minutes, it would have gone mm-hmm. over the thing. And it yeah. It'd be like, I mean, those pools are beautiful. They're so clean. There's no, oh, yeah. you could easily, any jerk could come over and throw something in there. And, yeah. But I think there's, not, so. I think there's enough, you know, reverence for what it is. That, yeah. I don't you think know. anybody's like, you know, screw that. Screw those pools. Somewhere right now, somebody's doing a podcast and they're telling a story. Like this jerk in a tank top <laughs> put his bagel. <laughs> Do you just assume I that everybody has a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're very podcast. Welcome back uh, to the evil people in New York City. Welcome podcast back to Birdland. I'm your host. Bagels. 
Bagels where they shouldn't be. <laughs> dot org. <laughs> I just somebody had to have seen me just like I'm. Hey, I'll just put my bagel desecrate a, a monument. My bagel. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the next time you're down here, you're going to go into that park. You're going to see your photo posted. Yeah. <laughs> Do oh, not yeah. let this man in here with a bagel. <laughs> now, at first, I didn't realize it led to... It was just simply the water that leads to the waterfall. Uh, at the monument, I thought it was just like a channel of water. Well, what I want to know... Also, I thought, like, do, I'm like, do I leave it there and pretend that I didn't do that for like a half a second? And then I'm like, that wouldn't be the right well, thing. What I want to know is, why did you feel the urge to set the bagel down? I mean, you should be proud of the fact because that you have the a bagel, bagel from the city of New York. <laughs> I mean, that should... That bagel was on par with every other bagel I've had every other place in my life. But, I don't know, I just, it, was in a, it was in a brown bag, a brown lunch bag. It was one bagel. It looked like I was carrying dog poop in a bag. I just didn't want it in the picture, you know? That's, That's reasonable, yeah. I think. Our favorite thing is when people mix up, they have hybrid names for things. So Album titles or song titles. So there's an album called Grace Under Pressure and also an album called Hold Your Fire. And somebody told Chad recently they liked Grace Under Fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I saw this guy and he had a shirt on. And, you know, you see somebody, this was up in uh, northern Massachusetts, well, central Mass, but mm-hmm. close to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And so I saw this guy with a shirt on and, you know, you, you see him and you're like, all right, you know, I can identify with you on something. So you go up and see him on this tour. And he's like, yeah, so I'm in Boston. Cool. I was at that show. And I was like, you know, what was your favorite stuff? And he's like, oh, he's like, I really loved when he did the stuff, you know, from Grace Under Fire. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> you just roll with it. Because <laughs> yeah. so what this, do you say? Yeah. This woman goes, I had, my brother got me into them. And it he was got a mixtape or something. A mixtape. And it had subdivisions and permanent waves on it. And I listened to those two on repeat. Now, that's an album and a song. From a different album. So you can't. So she said that, and Chad and I were silent for way too long. And finally, I turned to Chad and went, two fantastic songs.